Well, good morning, church family. My name's Nate. If it's your first time here, I want to welcome you. And can we just thank God one more time? I mean, wasn't that powerful just to sing together? This is why we join together. There's nothing but the blood of Jesus that gives us hope. That's why we're doing this series called Dear Church. Jesus continued to speak to his church. And this is the good news today is maybe you feel like you've been gone from church for a while or you're trying to get reconnected. You need to know today that your heavenly father has a word for you. He wants to speak into your life. He is for you and he wants you to become more like his son, Jesus. And that's the joy that we have here today. And I know we're excited. Any Who Day Nation fans in here today? Day for the Super Bowl. And uh, somebody asked me last night, they said, does, does God care who wins the Super Bowl? And I said, well, let me look it up in the Bible. You know, and uh, here's what I found out in the Bible. Uh, the Bengals are never mentioned in the Bible. They're never mentioned. Uh, but 253 times Rams are mentioned in the Bible. Here's the thing. Everywhere they're mentioned, they're slaughtered. So I don't know. I don't know what that means. Who day nation? I, like, uh, <laughs> this is why we don't try to interpret Super Bowl scores through the Bible, all right? We just enjoy some wings and hanging out together. And uh, hopefully you have some friends together and want to just welcome you in today. And we're in this series called Dear Church. I'll remind you, uh, one, if you bought one of these and you forgot that you bought one, hey, just dive in. We have daily devotions in the workbook or you can go out to the Resource Center lobby, pick one up, they're five bucks. And uh, what they do is this, they just take today's teaching, they kind of dive a little bit deeper every day into this. We're going to talk, we're talking through Revelation chapter 2 and 3, where Jesus writes seven letters to the church that in present day Asia Minor, and just says, I have a good word for you, I want to challenge you in some things, I want to encourage you in some things. And Jacob Bales did an incredible job last week talking about live holy. Didn't he do incredible last week? If you were here, man, he's just such a, he's, he's over our student ministers, I want to encourage you, if you missed last week, and go back and listen to his message. It, he's a phenomenal communicator. But what he really picked up on is Jesus was writing to the church of Pergamon going, I've got this holy life for you to experience. And I want you to remain focused on that. And today what we're going to look at is the letter that Jesus writes to the church in Thyatira. And, and, and I don't know if they were just called like the first Christian church of Thyatira. I don't know. I don't know the official or just the church in Thyatira. But here's the thing. Thyatira, a lot of times we don't hear about them. You know, the, the letters open with Ephesus. We hear all about Ephesus. Matter of fact, the church in Ephesus has their own letter, Ephesians. And we hear about that. You don't really hear about this church a whole lot. And here's why. Out of the seven churches that Jesus writes to, it's the least influential. It's the least influential. Everybody else has all these notorieties. As a matter of fact, Thyatira is kind of like this blue-collar factory town. There's a bunch of trade workers in there. They work hard. They bust their tail, right? They're going after. They work with their hands. They're skilled craftsmen. But they're not in all of these kind of big elaborate cities. And I know sometimes that gets a little bit of a rap for us here, right? Some people, you know, a lot of people, will, when they come through town, my friends will be like, oh, New Albany, are you all just like Louisville? I'm like, no, we're not. Right, that's across the river, my man. We're, we're Indiana, right? And, and they're like, oh, you kind of like Cincinnati? I'm like, we ain't like Cincinnati. Are you guys like Indianapolis? We ain't like Indianapolis. Well, who are you like? 
We're like ourselves, my man, you know? And, and this is what I love about this area. We are blue collar, man. We work hard in this area. I love the tenacity and the way that you guys invest in the community. And here's what's incredible about this, this letter to the church of Thyatira. A lot of times people overlooked this place, but here's what we're gonna find out about Jesus. The least influential city got the longest letter. The least influential place heard the most from Jesus. See, this is the good news about our Savior today. Maybe you walked in here feeling like the least of these. Maybe you walked in here and it's been a while since you've been in church. Last week I had off, I was walking in the lobby, had a buddy tell me, I said, man, it's good to see you. It's been a couple months uh, since I've seen you. And he just, he just, he was honest. He goes, man, it's good to be back church. He goes, I'll just be honest. I got COVID lazy, man. He goes, I just kind of quit going to church for a while and everything else. He goes, man, it's so good to be back. And what's great about this is no matter where you feel on the radar today, God sees you, he knows you, and he has a word for you today. And this is what Jesus is gonna speak to the church in Thyatira is this. He's gonna say this. I know you feel like you may be in the least city, but do not compromise for the gospel. Don't compromise the good word that God has put in you. There's gonna be a temptation for this city. They're gonna go, hey, we're the least influential, just kind of a blue collar town. There's not much going on here. And Jesus says, you may not feel like there's much going on in your life, but trust me, when the spirit is involved in your life, much is going on. God is doing a good and holy work. And Jesus is gonna write to him and say, do not compromise. Do not start going into the ways of the culture, which actually starts happening. And he begins to write to address that. And what we've kind of done every week is this. We've, every week we went to write, we, uh, we read the letter. What we do is this. We've just, there's nothing uh, supernatural about it. But what we've done every week is this. We've just asked everybody to stand as we read the letter. And so I want to invite you today just to stand. It's going to be up on the screen. And I'm going to read this just out loud for us. Because this is what they would have done in the church of Thyatira. They would have gotten this letter from the apostle John. They would have gathered everybody together and said, let's read this, right? And if you need to stretch right now, it's halftime, all right? You know what I'm saying? We're there, all right? So let's, I'm going to read this out loud for us. And here's what Jesus writes to the church in Thyatira. He says this, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write this, John, these are the words of the son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. And that's from Daniel chapter 10. Jesus is saying, I'm the king you've been looking for. He says, I know your deeds and your love and your faith and your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. See, Jesus isn't just a, a king that criticizes us. He sees us. He's encouraging us. But then he says this, nevertheless, church, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who's from 1 Kings, verse 16. It's not the same woman, but it's the same type of teaching. He says, you tolerate this woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. But by her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. And I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. And so I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely until they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds." Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not compromised and learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. 
only hold on to what you have until I come. And to him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter and he will dash them to pieces like pottery. This is quoting Psalm chapter two. Just as I have received authority from my father, and I will also give him the morning star. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now you guys can have a seat. Now here's what I expect. Some of you are like, yep, just what I thought. I have no idea what that means, right? You know, I don't know if you've ever done that before. Sometimes we do stuff like this where we wanna, you know, we, we wanna get in God's word and sometimes we'll, we'll be driving to work and you just open your phone or something. You look up a scripture. Sometimes you'll just be at, you know, at work and you just kind of pop open, a, you know, the Bible and you go, okay, Jeremiah 48, 12. But days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send men who pour from jars. What? You know, and, and you're like, okay, God, that's all you got for me. And sometimes what will happen is this. We'll hear these words and we'll just move on. But this is why we want to slow down. And this whole week, we break down this letter day by day because Jesus has a lot to say to this city and especially the city, the church in the city. Because here's what's begin to happen. They begin to compromise the ways of Jesus. And what Jesus is saying here is this, for you and I, he's going, I've called you church, I've given you my spirit, and here's what I'm longing for you to do, is to not compromise. Don't give in to the ways of the world, but allow my way, allow my truth, allow my life to form you from the inside out. If you're having notes, here's what it looks like of a life of no compromise. A life of no compromise begins with Jesus setting the bar. You know, this is what I found in my own life. You know when I've compromised the most is when I've become the bar for my life. When I've begun to set kind of what all the parameters are, that's when I find that I compromise the most in my life. Jesus writes and he begins with saying this. He goes, hey, the son of God. And then he says something kind of spooky. The guy whose eyes are like fire right? And his feet are like burnished bronze. Now what that came from is Daniel chapter 10, verse six, Daniel in the old Testament got a vision of the coming King. And what he was describing was the King Jesus. And here's the deal. When your eyes are like fire and your feet are like burnished bronze, you're in charge, right? Like you get the keys, right? And what Jesus was saying is this, I'm the son of God. It's the only time he says that phrase in these seven letters. And what he's reminding the church in Thyatira is this, the son of God, it's for you. And the son of God wants to lead you in the way of no compromise. The son of God wants to build into you. And what I love that Jesus does is this. He celebrates them at the very beginning. Do you see what he said? He says, I know your deeds and I, I know your love and your faith and your service and your perseverance. And then he says this, I know that you were doing more than you were at first. You wanna know how you can measure how you're doing spiritually? Just ask simply this question. Where are you in your spiritual journey compared to last year? Where have you grown? Maybe where do you need to grow? See, oftentimes, here's our mistake. Here's where we begin to compromise. We begin to compare ourselves to other people. And there's issues that Jesus wants to deal with in our life. And when we look at ourselves, we go, I ain't sinning like them. All right, I ain't doing that. Do you see what they post on TikTok? I ain't doing that, right? And here's what we begin to do. We begin to give ourselves an excuse, which actually leads to a compromise because we're comparing ourselves to somebody else. 
And Jesus in this space, he says, no, he says, I see you, I love you, I love this, but what we need to allow Jesus to do is this, for him to become the bar. Now, some of you are like, well, I can't live up to this. Here's what it means to allow Jesus to be the bar of our lives. Here's what it means, it's simply this, that you and I believe that Jesus is better than anything else in this world. That's the bar. That Jesus, we believe, better than even being married that you're better. Actually, if you want your marriage to get better, believe that Jesus is the best thing for you. It will change your marriage. You know what's greater than becoming the owner of a company or anything else? It's great if you're an owner of a company. Man, serve God as you do it. Here's what's better than that. Believing that Jesus is better than your career. See, Jesus transforms our career. He transforms our relationships. Some of you are in high school or college right now and you're kind of stuck in that, you know, friend zone. You don't have a relationship. You don't have a career. You don't have a this. You don't have a this. You know what's better than the labels that you're putting on yourself right now? Jesus. See, this is why Jesus begins to speak to his church. He's going, I have something that's better for you. This is why I don't want you to compromise. And here's why. He begins to go after it and he says this. He says, because you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and by her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Here's what Jesus wants his church then and his church today to know is this. The teaching that you and I tolerate will eventually saturate our lives. The teaching that you and I tolerate will eventually saturate our lives. Here's what we know about today. You can listen to any podcast, you can listen to any preacher, you can listen to any echo chamber you want and hear whatever you want today. We can do it, can't we? We we can listen to anybody else and here's what Jesus is saying. He's going, time out more than any other podcast, more than even you listening to me. Here's the greatest person you need to listen to is the Holy Spirit in your life. Because Jesus is saying this, here's what's happening, church. You're beginning to tolerate this woman's teaching, which says this, and we'll, we'll get into it here in a moment, but what's happening is this. This Jezebel lady is beginning to rip the Christians away from Christ. And it's what they're tolerating that is beginning to saturate. Now, here's where they're compromising. Here's the two areas where they're compromising. They're compromising in pleasure and in power. Now, I know our world and everybody in this room, none of us struggle with that today, right? None of us struggle with attractions, right? None of us struggle with lust. None of us struggle with control issues. I know it's just for the people 2,000 years ago today, right? Actually, matter of fact, isn't that the biggest critique of the culture is this? This is why everybody's getting canceled, right? And Jesus says, I know this is why I have a better way, not just for Christians, but I have a better way for the world. You know how we flourish? We actually flourish through the way of Jesus, a better way of living. Matter of fact, some of us go, well, Nate, compromise and pleasure and power, I don't really do that. Here's our problem. Sometimes we lift those things up and we go, it's just them. It's just them in Hollywood or it's just them who are over there. It's just the politicians. It's just these people. It's just them. It's not me. First John chapter two says three things that you and I are gonna struggle with for the rest of our lives that we will be tempted to compromise in. It says this, you and I are gonna be tempted to compromise in the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Here's what that means. We're gonna look at things that we shouldn't have, and this is what we're gonna begin to compromise and say, I mean, I deserve it. I've been pretty good this week. 
Anybody ever said that after you worked out one time, right? Like you drive home, right? You're like, Jack's Bakery, I deserve that, right? You know what I'm saying? I walk by, you know, it, you know just, it's one of those things where we begin to rationalize. We begin to go, well, I've done good, and so I deserve that. We, we see that. It's, the, it's this lust of the eyes. It's the lust of the flesh. And then John says, it's this pride of life. And here's what the pride of life is. This is where we begin to compromise. We begin to say stuff like this. I got it. I got it. I got it. See, when we compromise, when we say I got it, what we're saying is really this. God, I don't believe you got it. I don't believe you've got my best future in mind. God, I don't believe that you can handle this. This is why Paul says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 4. Listen to what he says to him. He says, Timothy, heads up, for the time will come when men and women will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. We're just going to get people around us to just say whatever we want them to say, And we're going to sprinkle a little Jesus on top of that, right? And we're going to say this. Do you have a faith? Uh, Yeah, I have a faith-ish, right? And it's kind of there and it's kind of not. And what happens is this. This is what Jesus is saying to the church. He's like, oh, no, no, no. No, we got to come back to him. And here's the thing about Jesus. Sometimes we feel like, yeah, but Jesus doesn't know what, what I'm being tempted with today and what I'm facing with today. Can I just let you know, Jesus was tempted. This is what scripture says. Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I were, but yet was without sin. And not only that, when Jesus was praying and fasting for 40 days in the desert and Satan came to tempt him, you know what he came to do? He came to compromise him. This is what he wanted. Jesus, the path that you're going to take to the cross is painful. Here's the path that I'm going to offer you. Pleasure. Pleasure. Don't go through the pain. Don't go through the work that God has for you. Just go take the easiest path possible. Here's the thing about compromising. In the moment, we don't know how long that compromise is going to last, do we? Some of us were here today, man, I can tell you stories about times in junior high and high school, man, where I compromised. And you know what? I still think about it. And I still carry the baggage today. Turn 40 in April, going to be an old man, gray hair's coming, right? You know, it's one of those things, here I am, I'm 40, right? And I can still remember some of the moments when I was 13 where I compromised. See, here's the power of compromise. Just because you get older doesn't mean the baggage and the consequences just go away. This is why Jesus is writing to his church. Here's what we need to understand is this. This is what he's calling you and I to do today is this. We need to have soft hearts and a sharp mind. Soft hearts and a sharp mind. Our hearts need to be soft, open to God speaking and teaching into us. A soft heart that loves a world that may not love Jesus, may not want to follow him, but we go, God, we love them. But here's the thing. We don't just have a soft heart. We have a sharp mind. We're beginning to process the thoughts that come in. We begin to go, God, is this of you or not? I, I saw this picture. This was helpful for me because on this faith journey, uh, what we'll find is this is for some of you, we got a baptism weekend coming up at the end of the series, March 5th and 6th, praying that if you've not been baptized or you need to become a follower of Jesus, that you would take that step that weekend. But here's what happens. Sometimes when we become a follower of Jesus, 
things just get really good, right? We go, God's grace is good. He's changing me. And then something happens over the past kind of couple months. You come into service and you go, you know what? That worship song, it just doesn't hit like it used to. And you know that coffee that was out in the lobby? Man, it tasted better two years ago. Right, you know, their coffee game is slipping or whatever. And we begin to just become a critic and we begin to look at everything and we just kind of nitpick everything and we, we kind of get stuck spiritually. And I saw this, Pete Scazzaro shared this. As a, he's a great author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And I love this. He said, here's what we gotta be aware of is this, that in our faith journey, there's a wall coming. He said, oftentimes, here's stage one, we have this life-changing awareness of God, of what Jesus has done. He's changed our life and we become followers of him. We, we become disciples of him. We begin to learn about him. Then we begin to serve and love others. And then after a while, we hit the wall. And there's this wall that happens. And what's happening is this. What's going on on the outside, God is going, I wanna do a deeper work now on the inside of your life. Because I want you to live from the inside out. That's what he's calling the church to Thyatira to. I love that you're serving. I love that you're doing that. I love these things, but you have something bigger going on. What I wanna talk about is this, the way that we transform, the way that the church, the way that we don't compromise with pleasure and the way that we don't compromise in power, we gotta understand these dynamics here. And this is when he talks about pleasure and when he says this, he says that you get misled into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. You go, what sexual immorality is he talking about? Here's the root issue. This is what was happening in the church, not even the culture, but in the church, this is what was happening. The teaching of this lady was this, to separate the physical from the spiritual. See, you and I become in trouble. Compromise begins to happen when we separate what we do physically from our spiritual walk. That's where Satan wants us to live. I remember I was a freshman in Bible college when this idea that Jesus didn't come just to die for my sins, but Jesus came also to be my king. And here's what a king does, right? A king rules over all. And so Jesus wasn't just supposed to be king of my past. He's saying he's king of my present. He's king of my decisions. He's king of my relationships now. That everything that I do begins to revolve around him. Every relationship, my thoughts, my work, my words need to begin to revolve around him. And this thought was beginning to be, to grow in my mind in Bible college. And then I heard this philosopher, the philosopher 50 Cent. And, uh, and he, had, uh, he had this song that came out my freshman year of Bible college called In the Club. And, uh, and I remember, I'm learning this at Bible college that all of life needs to revolve around Jesus. And then, you know, and In the Club, if you heard that song, man, that beat goes, right? You know, and, and you hear this, man, you know. And, and, and then here's his line. He goes, hey, I'm just into having sex, not making love. Physical spiritual, tear it apart. See, this is where we begin to compromise. That what we do, we begin to think as Christians, that doesn't matter. That's the lie of Satan, isn't it? Boy, every time I've compromised, that's at the root of it. Ah, probably doesn't matter. Probably doesn't matter. Paul says this in Galatians. He says, it was for freedom that you were set free. But then he says this, but don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. 
Don't use grace to say it doesn't matter. Don't allow the physical to be separated from the spiritual. What we find is this, all things are spiritual. All words have impact. Matter of fact, this is why in Acts chapter 15, what you see is this, you see these two same issues come up. Gentiles are coming into the church and for the longest time it had only been God's people, the Jewish people, and they've known what it means, the Torah and to follow God. And now these people who aren't Jewish are coming into the church and they said, hey, here's what you need to do to become a Christian. One, you need to believe in what Jesus did on the cross by shedding his blood for your sin to set you free. But then it says this, and then tell them to avoid sexual immorality and eating food to idols. And here's why. He's saying there's a different sexual ethic as followers of Jesus. Matter of fact, as Christians, this is why you can't really put a Christian on any political side or box them up. It's this, because we have a different king whose kingdom is not of this world and he is breaking into the world. This is why when you study the Christian church, what you find is this, they care about the unborn when the Romans would throw out babies that they didn't want, it was the church that would run into the dumpsters, collect the children, and begin to embrace them. This is why we love all of the different families here who are fostering and doing adopting because this is the way of God. We look at people who aren't even of our family and we go, you are loved by God, you are made by God, you are called by God, you are for God, and we have room for you in our family. But it's not just the unborn, it's to the poor, it's to the marginalized, it's to those who have been left, it's to those who have been abused, it's to those who have been cut out. And you see the church begin, and at the very beginning, the church was multi-ethnic. And here's why this is so important for the church today. Because in the church at that time, you only had a God that represented your nation. Rome had Roma. The Greeks had their gods, the Persians, their gods, this country, here a God, there a God, everywhere a God, God, right? You know what I'm saying? And here was the thing, they all delineated by nations until one king showed up and said, I'm the king for all nations. I'm the king that is rallying all people to myself. See, this is why they needed to not compromise, to, to bring these people in. See, Jesus is the one who unites the world. Jesus is the one who breaks down the barriers. Jesus is the one who helps us go across all the dividing lines because it is in Jesus alone that we find the Lamb of God and the sacrifice of God that gives us a better way forward. It was Jesus who redeemed women. It was Jesus gave a better way for society to flourish. The more I've been studying about this, the more I've been reading how the Roman Empire worked, and one of the things that just took me back is this. You know how the Roman soldiers, a lot of them, would use birth control at their house? Because you didn't have Walgreens back 2,000 years ago, right? You know what I'm saying? You couldn't just go there. You know how they used birth control in their homes? Prostitution. Just go use and abuse some women, chuck them to the curb, because that's what they're here for. Anybody want to sign up for that religion? No. No, Jesus says, actually, that's not how we treat women. Jesus says, that's not why I've created them. I've created for them to display my glory and goodness in the world. 
See, this is the goodness of Jesus. We begin to find he has a different way. Matter of fact, John chapter 8, what we find Jesus doing is this. If you know the story of the woman caught in adultery, this is what I love, is that Jesus looks at her. He, he has all of her accusers leave, and she says, are you here to accuse me too? And she says, no. He says, where are your accusers? She says, they're gone. He says, then he says this phrase, then neither do I condemn you. And then he says this, now go and leave your life of sin. When we get that backwards, we lose the gospel. When we get it backwards and we believe, go and leave your life of sin, then Jesus will never condemn you. Do you ever realize you're never good enough? Then neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. Maybe today you carry baggage because you separated the physical from the spiritual. Here's what I want you to hear today. Guilt doesn't change you, but grace does. It's the grace of Jesus that changes you and I. It's the grace of Jesus that breaks the chains and the regret of where we compromised in our life. It's the grace of Jesus that will carry you forward. It's the grace, this is why he says, don't hold to her teaching. She's leading people into sexual immorality. And then it says this, and the eating of food sacrifice to idols. And we're like, what is it about food sacrifice to idols? I love what 1 Corinthians chapter 8, I don't have time to unpack it, but if you want to learn more about it, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 talks about it. And Paul essentially says this, it's not about the food, but it's about who you believe brought that food to you. Today, who do you believe blessed you with what you have? See, when they would go and sacrifice food to idols, what the nations were doing is this. They were going to that God or to this God, I believe everything I have comes for you. And that's why he was saying, Christians, don't go to do that because we believe every good and perfect gift comes from our heavenly father above. That's what James says. What we believe is this, God, you have a power that I don't. God, we live according to you. God, we will live our days following you. And then Jesus says something incredible here in verse 24. He says, now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching, to you who are not compromising, who are not going in that direction. And what he says is this, a life of no compromise. This is our calling as a church. A life of no compromise takes a church family. Here's what I've learned more and more about just being a Christian over all these years is this. I'm actually a better Christian when I'm not by myself. I love it. Jim Props, he always comes and prays. He's our executive pastor. He always comes and prays Sunday morning with me backstage to have a chance to pray for each other, you know, just listen to each other. And I tell you, every time I get done praying with him, here's what my heart feels. Man, today, God, I don't want to compromise anywhere. And here's why. Because I got a brother standing with me. Man, we are stronger when we follow Jesus together. And this is why he says to y'all, I love it, to you, who do not hold to her teaching. See, this is what you and I need to understand. You and I are stronger when we hang together. This is why we have community life groups. God doesn't love you more because you're in a life group. God knows this though. When you're in a life group and you're following him, the chances of you compromising goes way down. Goes way down. You've got encouragement, accountability, prayer people, people who are walking with you, people who are lifting you up. 
And Jesus is saying, this is the gift of my church family. And some of you are going, Nate, I love it. I don't want to compromise. I want to leave my life a compromise. I, just, man, what am, what am I supposed to do? I know I'm weak. Here's what I love Jesus says. This is all he says. I love it. Only hold on to what you have until I come. Now, some of you are like, isn't that the problem? I'm holding on to my possessions. Isn't that the problem, Nate? No, no, no. What Jesus is saying here is this. Only hold on to my power that's at work in your life today. See, here's why we choose Jesus. Because Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer. Than anything. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this. Some of you go, well, what is it that he would offer me? What is it that I'm holding on to? This is what 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. He didn't give us that, but here's what he gave us. He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. This is what the Holy Spirit's given you. Some of you are like, Nate, ah, I can't help myself from compromising. You know what you need? You don't need to try harder. You just need to hold on to the Holy Spirit. You need to hold on to your church family. You need to hold on to what Christ has done. Too many times we're trying to hold it together, and Jesus goes, I got an idea. What if you just let me hold it together? What if you let my, my spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline come in and rearrange you from the inside out? But here's the question for us today. I know Jesus saying, hold on to that. The question is this, do you believe that Jesus actually wants to hold on to you? Let's be honest. We compromise oftentimes because we feel like we're the only one in the game. And we gotta make everything happen, we gotta bring everything to life. We gotta create, we gotta lead, we gotta do. And Jesus just says, would you hold on to what you already have? Would you hold on to the grace that breaks your chains? Would you, would you hold on to the power when you're powerless? Would you hold on to my vision for your life when you have no vision for your life? Would you hold on to my church family when it feels like you've been abandoned and all alone? See, this is what I'm finding over and over again is this is that when Jesus is on your side, there's no need to compromise. That when Jesus is on your side today, there's no need to compromise. You're gonna be tempted. Jesus was tempted to compromise. You and I will be tempted to compromise until we go to be with the Lord, all right? But when he's on our side, there's no need to compromise. Today, I wanna invite you to take hold what Jesus has already offered you. To take hold of the one who begins to redeem and combine the physical and the spiritual. Who redeems our past and gives us a way forward. Who says, neither do I condemn you, now go and leave your life of sin. Let me set you free. What we're gonna do here in a moment is we're gonna sing again what we sang right after communion. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what we're going to do in this moment is this. I'm going to give you a moment during that song just to begin to let go of where you're compromising today. And take hold. Take hold of the grace that's already been offered to you. 
If you would, why don't you stand with me right now? I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna sing. We're gonna sing this timeless song. And as we sing this, I'm gonna invite you to allow Jesus to take hold of you today. Let's pray and then we'll sing this. Father, we thank you for this word. God, we thank you that you are real and you are raw. And Father, there is nothing that you're afraid of in our life. God, you know every single compromise in this room. Father, even compromises that have not been confessed. And you meet us right where we are. And we've come today in this moment, Jesus, to just simply take hold of what is better. It's you. And so, Father, I pray today for anybody, God, who's just wrestling. Maybe it's past compromises that, God, they know you've forgiven them of, but, Lord, Satan just keeps bringing it up. Jesus, just in this moment right now as we sing this, Lord, would they be reminded that you have set them free? And, Father, for the fears and the worries, Jesus, today would we take hold of your Holy Spirit, a spirit that gives us your power, a spirit that gives us your love, a spirit that gives us your self-discipline. God, you're not looking for us to just do better. You just want us to hold on to what is better. And so Jesus, as we sing this, we hold on to you. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said together, amen. Let's hold on to what's better right now. Let's sing together.